0: One thing, don't don't waste the present season, Amen. If you waste the present season, you might not get to that next season. So make the most of the season you're in. So God said, you only got to go around that barn once, not five times. I ever been there, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's so good to have everybody out. I always forget to dismiss the children when we have a guest speaker. So I've been working on this. Children, you are dismissed to children's church, Amen. All right, good group, ready to go and enjoy. There they go there they go marching like the little ducks they are amen 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 amen, amen. Is, is this your last is um is this your last sunday no okay all right i'm just checking on you i don't they're in a move they're in a move and i said make sure you let me know when it's your last one so we can bless you and pray off. All right i just wanted to make sure amen praise the lord isn't god good to us we, we, are, we are so blessed this morning our brother and sister Benegis with us um they haven't been here probably seven or eight years we were back in the fellowship hall last time they were here and uh, for many many years they were over the our district the youth department and before that if you would believe they were one-time Christina's youth pastors amen yeah that that was that was a a year or two ago Um, (laughs) one or two years ago Um, but now for at least the last decade or so they've been in Europe out of Brussels and they've been training workers, working in the Bible school, doing some. It's so exciting when you train workers because every life you touch, you can only imagine how God's going to multiply that effort. Amen? You don't waste any. When you deal with young people especially, you're, you, no, no teaching is ever wasted. No time is – because they're going to take it long after you're with Jesus. They're just going to take it and use that. And so it's a great ministry. They're doing a great job, and we're so good to have them here. Brother and Sister Ben, I guess we love you. God bless you. Come on up. and. Amen.
1: Good morning. Isn't it great to be in the presence of the Lord? I'm really enjoying it. And thank you, Pastor Zano, for this opportunity to share about our mission. We are your missionaries to Europe, based in Brussels, Belgium. And we serve there at Continental Theological Seminary, CTS, and Tom serves as the campus pastor, and I oversee the mentoring program there. And it's a huge blessing to work there. CTS is the largest accredited Pentecostal Bible college in Europe. And we have students that come from some years as many as 30 different countries to train. And the only purpose they come for is to train for ministry and so it's a joy to work with them and serve them and um, guide the spiritual life at the school it's something we take very seriously 95% of our students end up in ministry which is a really high statistic and so when we send them out we want them full of the Holy Spirit You know, Europe is a very dark place. Of the three-quarters of a billion people, less than 3% know the Lord in a personal way. Friends, that's a mission field. You know, Africa, they say almost 50% of the population knows the Lord because of missionaries going out for decades and decades they still need the gospel they still need the message of Christ but um, d- Europe is a, a dark place <laughs> and, and so we want to make sure our students who all know this because most of them are from Europe we want to make sure that they are supercharged <laughs> with the Holy Spirit it's only the Holy Spirit that's going to break that darkness programs won't do it prayer and the Holy Spirit is what's going to change Europe we need a revival well, I have good news. You know, COVID hit everybody in the face there for a couple of years, but our students have come back so excited. I think they're hungrier than before to see revival, to see their lives change. They come and meet for special prayer meetings and Bible studies that they aren't required to attend, but they just want more of God. This is a good thing. <laughs> One of our students a couple years ago saw, had such a burden when he went downtown Brussels, to um, when he saw the homeless people there and the refugees coming in, everyone hungry and on the streets. And he linked arms with Brussels Christian Center and started a feeding program. One of our students, training for ministry, was already doing ministry. And um, they started witnessing on the corners and feeding. And um, he graduated, but our students now have kept on. This tradition are going out on weekends feeding the hungry, and ministering the stories they come back with of lives that have been changed would thrill your hearts. And I'll tell you, it makes a campus pastor really happy. (laughs) So God is moving. It's a dark place, but God has not forgotten Europe, and he is helping us and many other missionaries to train up these leaders to reach their own continent and other continents as well. Um, I just wanted to share a testimony. Maybe you recall praying for a missionary in Belgium at the beginning of COVID. That was me. I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital on the ventilator for six days and in the hospital for 21 days. The doctors never believed I would leave there alive. We didn't know this at the time, but they my lungs were at 25% capacity. And they just never believed I would walk out of there alive. But my precious husband corralled believers from all over the world, including you, to pray for me. And God rose me up. And praise the Lord. And on Good Friday, which Tom likes to call Best Friday... I was released from the hospital, and on Easter Sunday, we had communion together in our little apartment. Praising the Lord for his goodness to me. So thank you for your prayers. Prayer changes everything. When I was in recovery, and it's taken several months, and I still have some challenges, but um, praise the Lord, he's with me every day. Um, he, when I was in recovery in our apartment, he asked me to write down the way he was with me when I was in the hospital. So 21 days, I don't see Tom, I don't see anyone, but people with hospital garb from head to toe, they speak Dutch and I don't. <laughs> and it was a challenge. But every day he was with me. He gave me scriptures that I would memorized when a little tiny child brought them back to my memory called me to meditate on scriptures. He gave me songs in the night when I was, couldn't sleep and I was so discouraged and didn't know what was happening to me. I was never alone. He was faithful. And I want you to know no matter what you're going through, you're never alone. He is with you every moment. He asked me to record this, and so I've learned it's better to be obedient to him than to not be <laughs> So um, in my recovery time, I wrote a little book, Breath from Heaven, God's Presence in the Face of a Pandemic, and I have it out there in the back, and um, perhaps you know someone that you'd like to buy that for, or maybe you yourself, you're going through something where someone needs to be reminded that the Lord is with them. God bless you. Thank you so much for praying for me. It made all the difference in my life.
2: Amen. What a joy to be here today with our friends. So we have so many friends in this church. Uh, we all go way back, and we're not going to talk about that. Because <laughs> I'm still 19. <laughs> well, I am in denial also. But, <laughs> but what a joy to be with our dear friends as Zenos. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you today. And to all of our friends here at Pleasant Grove, for many many years, God has blessed you, and and I just got to say, what a beautiful building you've built here. What last time I was here, this wasn't here, and uh, and it is a gorgeous building, and I know that God is blessing you. Well, this morning I want to talk to you for a few minutes on the theme of God is big. And before I do that, however, I just I just want to say thank you because. Um, um, of, of so many areas of mission support that you help us with. First, I'd like to introduce our family. I think we have a photo of our our kids here. Uh, the big guy on on the big guy there is uh, our son <laughs> uh, Brady. He's an executive pastor at a church in Lakeland, The Way. And then the girl on the right, my right. Uh, what, anyway? The girl right in front of the white dog is our daughter, and she is. Uh, Uh, Her and her husband are executive directors of a Teen Challenge in Griffin, Georgia. So we're so proud of our family, and the grandkids are all doing really well. Probably the greatest sacrifice for missionaries is being away from their kids, and even worse than that, being away from their grandkids, (laughs) because grandkids are better. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, but this is our family, and I just wanted to introduce them to you. But also, I want to say thank you for praying for us. Uh, Phyllis mentioned how you prayed for her, and during no, th- those dreadful moments uh, of our life, it was only 21 days, actually, but, but they were dreadful moments for us, and we had no idea of what was going to happen uh, in the hospital, they did not expect her to live. They gave me every day at three o 'clock i couldn 't go to the hospital, but every day at three o 'clock, I could call the doctor and check on the progress and uh, I was just desperately alone and so i would <laughs> i would I would drive to the hospital parking lot and park there just so I could be close to my wife you know because I wasn't prepared on being alone. I couldn't cook. I couldn't do anything very good, you know. And, and the lockdown happened right the next, actually the the following Monday after she went to the hospital on Friday, the lockdown started, and so our school was was closed. And um, just just you know, it was a it was a dreadful moment. And uh, but because you prayed, God has raised her up and. And, and, and helped us in so many different ways, and we deeply appreciate your prayers for us. Also, I got to say thank you for the um, financial support that you've been giving to us every month for the last 10 years. It's that support that keeps us on the field and helps us to do what God has, has called us to do there. While my wife was in the hospital, I was alone in our apartment, and I was, you know, she was. God was giving her scriptures and songs from her past and all that. And at the same time, I was being blessed by the word of God as I would open the word. And there was a couple of verses that really stood out to me during that time. And, you know, I had read the book of Romans through probably a hundred times, maybe more than that. I had taught it and just... Thought I understood it, but in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, there is one verse that stuck out so bright for me during that and became such a blessing in my life. And it's in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, and it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Now, this is a story of Abraham and Sarah. And at this moment in their lives, um, they are expecting God to answer their prayers. And um, he hasn't answered their prayer yet. And, and God had made a promise to him many years ago, he's going to be the father of many nations. And, um, and something in, in, inspirational happened. God answered his, God answered his, uh, uh, his prayers. God, God fulfilled his promise to Abraham and, and even though, you know, when we're the age that they were at, Abraham was almost 100 years old, Sarah was over 90 years old, we're not praying for children by the time we're 90 years old anymore, are we? <laughs> we're not doing that. But God, when Sarah was dead, when Abraham wasn't, it wasn't possible for them to have a child, God gave them a child and fulfilled his promise. I'll tell you, when, when, we, uh, when we, God gives us a promise, we need to hold on to that promise until it's fulfilled. So thank you for praying for us during that time. It was a trying time for us, but, but uh, God blessed us and ha- has helped us through it. And then I also want to say thank you for all the ministries here in the church that you give to. And uh, like, like uh, BGMC is one that's really, really important to us. And I, I, it was during this COVID time, you know, at our school, uh, Continental Theological Seminary, for every class, a student has to write an essay for that class every semester. Every every class, every semester. The first year, it's 1,500 words with 25 sources. The second year, it's 3,500. It, it's 2,500 words, and the third year, it's 3,000 words for each um, essay. And so. A library becomes very important to the students. They need to find the, the resources and the sources for their papers and all that. But with lo- the lockdown happening, classes are closed, and they're watching, they're watching the class on their computer, and they can't be in the school. They, they, it was completely locked down, and therefore they can't go to the library. Well, one of our professors got online and discovered an online library that we could pay for. Well, we're really proud of our library. We've got over 48,000 volumes—the greatest commentaries, the greatest uh, works on the church fathers—are in our. It's just a, a very valuable library. But the problem is, students couldn't get there. And so, this professor found out that we could pay for this library online and go from 48,000 volumes to over 300,000 volumes with the online library. Well, we didn't have the money to pay for it. So we solicited BGMC, and they helped us get going on the new library. And so now every year, BGMC helps us a little bit with the library costs. It's very expensive to have a library like that, but, but, but BGMC helped us with that library cost. And then also, my wife mentioned that we have students who go out uh, in, in ministry and reaching out to people downtown Brussels every Friday night in the church we attend Uh, there is an international church and they work together with the school and and God has provided a miracle for them to have an industrial kitchen it's a long story I really don't have time to tell the story but in this process uh, because of the student who was reaching out to lost people the government said you can't cook food and take it out there because you don't have an industrial kitchen well through the process of all this God has given our church an industrial kitchen in a miraculous way. Over $50,000 worth of equipment and, and, and kitchen stuff has been donated and given, and it's just really an exciting thing, and so they go out. But I promise the students that, you know, if you need literature for your outreach, then I've got some friends in the United States that like to give to Light for the Lost. And so thank you men for what you do because you help us in our outreach in providing the literature that's necessary for our work. And then, um, I also want to mention, um, that, um, you know, m- most of my lifetime has been dedicated, as far as missions goes, to Speed the Light. We raised money for many years and just challenged students all over Florida to give, uh, to Speed the Light. And I never dreamed that I would be the recipient of a Speed Light vehicle. And, um, shortly after we got to Belgium, this car was purchased for us, and, uh, we are able to do part, part of our work is with the school. The other part is with international churches. So every, almost every Sunday, we're in a different country and a different church. And uh, so we, we drive a lot of where we go. And this car has helped us get to... Well, we go to Sweden once a month. You know, we drive through Germany to Sweden, and uh, we we this car has helped. It. And just a couple of months ago, you can see the odometer there. We just turned 200,000 kilometers on this car, the Speedlight car. And I'm not really interested in getting rid of it right now. It Still runs really, really good, and we just love the car. And so we we we're eligible now this next term to be able to get another Speedlight car. But I'm going to. Probably turn that down and just drive this one because it is such a wonderful thing and God has blessed us. And so we go to different international churches, and I got to tell you a really quick story of a we're, we, we on, the, we're on the speaking team of a church in Sweden, and so once a month we go there. And a couple of months ago, uh, I think it was actually back in uh, um, July or so, uh, maybe it was in June, um, I'm walking out of the church that morning and there's this tall young man sitting on the back row. And so I stopped. He was the last one there, and he just kind of sitting there, and I'm going, Hi, how you doing? I got his name. His name was Andre. And so, well, where are you from? He said, Well, I'm from Serbia. I said, Well, what brings you to the church? He said, Well, I'm trying to get connected to God. And I said, Oh, I can help you with that, you know. And you know, he accepted Christ that day. And uh, I wasn't there the next Sunday, but he was back, and then the Sunday after that I called the pastor and it was talking about the church and he, I said, well, how about Andre? Is he back? He said, well, yeah, he's bringing his whole class back now to, 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 um, uh, to church. And it's just amazing how God touches, works through students and young people when they get fired up with the, the love of God that Pastor Hood was talking about earlier, how, how God changes us and completely uh, gives us a, a new mind and a new heart. Well, anyway, Andrea kept coming back, and I'm just reminded of times in history where conditions of the world caused God's people to call on Him. And we're in one of those moments today. We're, we're in a, a moment that, as God's people, we need to be calling on God because the problems that we are facing are bigger than us. <laughs> and there are a lot of people and politicians and different companies and all that, people who think that they have the solutions to all the world's problems. But I want to let you know today that our God is big Our scripture today is found in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. It says, call on me and I will answer and tell you of great and unsearchable things that you know not. The King James Bible says, call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things you know not. And, and this was a time in Jeremiah's life when it was a similar time as, as in, in the West, in the United States, in Europe today. Where there are huge problems facing. At this time in Jeremiah's life, he, he had been detained because he was telling the truth. He had been telling King Zedekiah that if you, will, if you will go out there to the Babylonians who have surrounded us. You know, Israel had already been taken captive to Babylon uh, uh, several years before. And so now they are invading Judah, and the, the people are in total denial of what really is going on. They are getting ready to be taken out. But they refuse to listen to Jeremiah's message as what they should be doing. And so they detain him. And in the middle of this detention in the court, uh, King Zedekiah had an audience with him. And, and he said, tell me the truth. What really is the truth? And Jeremiah said, listen... The Babylonians are coming, and you better be ready for that. And, and of course, they were in denial. And at this moment in Jeremiah's life, God says to Jeremiah, He says, call on me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not. And I believe today that we, as God's people, need to call on Him. In spite of the darkness around us, we're living in a pretty dark world at the moment. Europe is pretty dark. Less than 3% of Europeans know Jesus in a personal way. We live right across the street from a church, and there's a little bit of a bright spot in in the church that we live across the street from, because a few years ago there was this Pentecostal revival in the the Catholic Church, and there's a small group of those people who still are meeting together. Every once in a while they rent our chapel at the school, and they have their meetings, and they're very Pentecostal. And so there are certain bright spots, but... Overall, there's, there is such darkness in our world today. And it's, it's really dreadful in many ways. But this is a moment that we as God's people should be calling on him and asking him to touch us in such a, 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 a mighty way, as he has in years past. We serve a big God. Now, <clears throat> there are some pretty big things on planet Earth. There are some big companies. I don't know if you've heard recently, but there are several several uh, companies. Uh, they used to be American companies, but now they're a little bit over a, tr- a trillion dollars in their value. It's really amazing that these companies should become so big. I think of the Apple company. I, I In some ways, I like them. In some ways, I don't. But I like Apple because they've got something that, that God has. You know, every once in a while, <laughs> I... I get a message on my phone that says, <clears throat> it's time for an update. <clears throat> and I'm going, oh, but my phone is fine. Everything is working fine. I, I really don't need an update. But they say, you need to update. And I say, well, how do they know I need an update on my phone? I'm going, this is amazing. That this company has sold, what, a billion or two billion or I don't know how many of these phones, and yet they know that my phone, me, Tom Benegas, my phone needs to be updated. And I'm going, and before long, if you don't update, you know what they do? They make it impossible to use it, and so you need to update. And they say, well, it's for security, and there's a whole lot of reasons, and, and you probably should update your phone. It's a big, big company. And there's another one, um, Uh, like the Apple company that's that's become a huge, it's Google and there's a company called Amazon you may have heard of them, they've become a monster company, really huge and there's one called Facebook and there's Microsoft and there's numerous companies that are big companies and seem to be dominating the landscape, landscape of finance in the world today they're big, but they are not bigger than our God they are not bigger Though they think they are sometimes, but they are not. And they are submissive to the, the rules that God has given to the world. And uh, it, it's just amazing how they can think that they are bigger than him. And there are also some pretty big com- com- countries. The United States is a, is a, is a really big comp- country. And the European Union, they think they're big also. And together, they, they, together they're working together, they think they can take the whole world. But the fact is, our God... These countries, the countries of Europe, the United States, is under the dominion of God. (laughs) And a lot of people don't know that. We need to let them know. Because no matter how much pressure the Antichrist is putting on the world today and on people and on the things that people do, he's not bigger than our God. Our God is bigger than him. He says, call on me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you know not. Now, today... um, on our table in the back, my wife mentioned her book. We've got a couple of things we want you to stop by and pick up. We've got our, our prayer card. Our prayer. You, it, it, this is a reminder for you to pray for us. And so pick up uh, one of these prayer cards. And also there's a magazine, uh, a Worldview magazine on the table that um, uh, is, uh, is, uh, has stories about all the ministries. that uh, Somebody got ministries that are happening in Belgium. Our school, Breaking Chains, and... Different uh, the Students for Christ and all the the ministries that are going on in um, in Belgium are in this magazine. I'll refer to this in just a minute. But on the back of the card is a a list of ten things on how to pray for your family, and I rather say how to pray for lost people. And uh, our God is big, and our God loves people. He, loved, uh, he loves us. He, he, he loves me. How many remember the first moment that you really realized that Jesus loved you so much? He gave himself for you, and he wanted to change your life. That life change, at least for me, and I, I'm sure for you, was a radical change in my life that I'm very thankful to God for. But on the back is a list of 10 things how to pray for your family. This morning, I'd like to just refer to a couple of them. In, in, in this message on how big God is. The first one I'd like to mention is, ask God to soften their hearts. You know, before a person can come to Christ, God has to soften their heart. He has to make it so that they can hear him. And he begins to soften our hearts. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, it says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from there their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. In other words, he's going to soften their heart. And the hardness that has come due to circumstances, we don't know all the reasons why people get hard in their hearts, but sometimes it's, it's our own failures. God's people sometimes fail, and people get angry with us and upset. And they say, I'll never talk to that person again. And they develop a little bit of a hardness in their heart. And that hardness stops their ears, and they can't hear the voice of the Lord. And as we pray, God soften their hearts. He begins to soften their hearts. That's the first thing that we should do. We should always be praying for our friends and relatives and lost people, that God would soften their hearts so they can hear His voice. And then the second thing is, is to pray that God would send a spirit of conviction. Uh, before I came to Christ, um, He convicted me of my sins. I didn't like it. <laughs> I, you know, the truth is, there, a lot of people may not like to come to church because when they come to church, they feel convicted. And there's a little bit of a... But that conviction will always be there until they submit themselves to the Lord. And so we need to pray that God would send a spirit of conviction. John sixteen eight it says, When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Salvation is a supernatural event, and it's because he has convicted our hearts and he touches us and changes us and delivers us from the conviction that's there in our hearts. I've read so many stories of great revivals. Azusa Street, there was a great revival in Europe, in Hernhut, Germany, in Sweden, and in, in, in England. There were great revivals that took place in years past. In fact, right on this very property, I don't know, maybe one of the greatest revivals in the United States took place right here in this part of Florida where God sent his convicting power of the Holy Spirit to touch people and people who never thought they would ever enter a church or enter a campground or enter wherever the Holy Spirit is moving. They never dreamed that they would do it. They find themselves there. I think of the banker in Brownsville a few years ago who was angry with his wife because she went to that revival meeting? (laughs) Because she was so hungry for God, she knew that God was supernatural and she needed him. And this banker was mad at the fact, and so he went after her. And so he got to the church in the middle of the meeting. John Kilpatrick told this story. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine this taking place, but this banker... This elite leader of the community steps into the auditorium in the back at the back doors and immediately was slain in the spirit. <laughs> Laying on the floor in the doorway, people walking over him to get out the door. I mean, this guy, God is big. And God sends conviction. And no matter when we prayed that God would convict people of their sins, he begins to do that. That's where we should be today, asking God. To send a spirit of conviction to the world, stories about azusa street I mean there was a perimeter around that old barn that was that, that where people were meeting, and the Holy Spirit was doing miraculous things. I mean the Holy Spirit was doing things that are almost beyond our imagination, things like people that had open stomach sores being healed instantly people people uh, People healed of all manner of diseases and those sort of things. There was one person who came in, had been born without an arm. And as they prayed for him, they watched the arm grow. Our God is big. God is able to do anything that we ask him to do. But there was a perimeter of conviction around that building as the Holy Spirit was visiting them. The fire department often came to the building to put the fire out because people saw a fire come out the top of the building. And so the fire department would go. It's their duty to put the fire out. (laughs) They got there. There was no fire except for the power of the Holy Spirit that was resting in the room that was there. So many stories. But we need to pray, God, do it again. Our world is in desperate need of a revival of an awakening, of something big to happen. And we believe that he's coming because it says, In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It says, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And many parents say, That is impossible. I'd, I'd have parents used to talk to me and they say, You, you know, you, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't quote that. I say, Why not? They said, Well, you don't know my kid. And I said, Well, oh, that, you don't know my God because our God is able to arrest the worst sinner, the, the person in the deepest darkness, God is able to touch them as we pray that He would send His conviction upon them. And then the third thing is, um, ask God to send a spirit of revelation. Ask for a spirit of revelation and wisdom. Ephesians 1:17 it says, "I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation." so that you may know him better. And um, the last couple years, I've met several people that came to Christ because of revelation of Jesus. In fact, in the magazine that that I want you to pick up a copy, the lead story is about a guy named Robbie, who is from Syria. And Robbie came to to, to Belgium as a terrorist. And uh, one day, he went out to... To kill somebody, he couldn't find the person. He was angry. And uh, he went home and turned the television on, and there was this French evangelist preaching. And for some reason or another, I'm not sure why, Robbie left the channel there, but for a while he was watching this sermon, this French evangelist preaching, and in the middle of the sermon, he stopped and he said, oh. and there's someone watching tonight that went out to kill someone today, and you couldn't find them. Jesus has your number. And if you'll turn your life over to him, he is going to radically change your life and give you peace. You know, that got Robbie's attention. I don't know about you. <laughs> It'd get my attention. <laughs> and Robbie accepted Christ as his Savior. Now he works in an Arabic church that we work with. And he's just, God has given him this gift of faith. Robbie believes God for big Things. You know, the church was looking for a building. They didn't have any place to meet. And he came across a corner building and uh, talked to the, the owner the, and, and said, well, we need a 60,000 euro, 60, euro down payment for this building. And Robbie just looked at him and said, okay, we'll give it to you. How much time? 30 days. We'll, we'll give you $60,000 in 30 days. Well, Robbie didn't have any money. I mean that's a big problem, but God gave him faith to believe. And do you know that within thirty days, sixty thousand euros came in. They were able to to put the down payment on this on the, on this building, but, but because God changes people, He reveals Himself to people. And another friend that I have, a, a guy named Grib Garziz, was was from Paris, and Grib was from an Islamic family. And, and and the dads, most Islamic families, the dads are very angry. And just, just they rule the home. And Garib couldn't take it much. And so he would he would be mad at his dad. And he would resolve his anger by fighting. And he would go out into the streets and just beat people to a pulp. You know, I never thought of that. But, you know, that, that's a way to relieve anxiety, you know. But then, after a while, it quit working. But Garib had noticed that his brother had peace. And so he talked to his brother, he said, you know, you've got peace, and I just struggle with me. And how, what what happened? And he told him, he said, well, dad is so, you know, dad is angry, and so when I was 10 years old, I couldn't handle it, and I ended up with an ulcer in the hospital. And he said, one night, in the hospital, Jesus walked into my room, and he said to me, if you'll listen to me, and if you'll follow me, I'll help you with your life, and I will give you peace. Hallelujah. And his brother said, you know, since then, I have lived a life of peace, because Jesus is a part of my life. At first, Grib didn't want to accept that. He, he didn't want that. I mean, because he's taught the opposite. But, but, but the anger just kept growing, and anxiety kept growing inside of him. And he went back to his brother, and he says, how did that happen? I need that peace. And, you know, Grib accepted Christ. He's an evangelist. He's preaching the gospel in Algeria and actually anywhere. I said, Grib, isn't it dangerous for an Islamic person to be preaching the gospel of Jesus? He said, well, yeah, it is. It's it's dangerous. (laughs) He says, but I know one thing about God. I know that the moment that God takes his hand of protection off my life, my life isn't going to be worth living anyway, so they might as well kill me. You know, he, he understands, but it's the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit that is with him that helps him in his daily walk with God, reaching Islamic people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, a spirit of revelation. And then finally, and maybe most important, is pray that God would give a revelation of his love to people, to your, your loved one, to your children, to your, whoever it is that you pray for. God, give them a spirit, the spirit of love. And I don't know about you, but I have to pray this on a personal level every once in a while because the hardness of this world, the, the, the things that go on around us sometimes make our hearts a little bit harder. We need a revelation of the love of God. And I pray, God, fill me with your love. Help me to understand and know and and share the love that you've given to us. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? And then I just love this passage in Romans chapter 8. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And our world is in a desperate place and they need the love of God. And God has put it in our hearts to love them. And it's our I don't want to say responsibility, but it's our responsibility to love people and to love them and to pray for them and do what we can to reach them. And that's part of the reason that we are in Europe, to love people. And it's, it's, it's relatively hard. I mean, there are some atheists in Europe and in the West, in the United States, but there are more people who hate God than there are atheists. They're mad at God. And the love of God dilutes that anger. The love of God reaches out and touches their hearts. And as we open our hearts to them, as we open our, our hearts to, to love them, as God allows his love to flow through us to touch our world, we will see what we pray for. Call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things. You do know not. We will experience what we've been praying for for many years, an awakening of the Holy Spirit in the United States, in Europe. We will see God do things just as he has in years past. Recently, 100 years ago, actually 110 years ago, in Wales, there was a young man, Evan Roberts, who had been praying for revival for 10 years. And my wife and I visited Mariah Chapel in Swansea, Wales, just a couple years ago. And it's like a monument to revival, but today it's dead. It's very, very sad. Just very sad. I, I was talking to the guy that led us in, and he's like the custodian in the church. And uh, uh, we had a great conversation, and and he, he said, I want you to pray for my kids. You know, they go to an evangelical church. <laughs> and he said to me, he said, you know, the evangelicals are killing us. You know? Well, I'll tell you what, if, if Moriah Chapel would simply open themselves to the truth that caused the revival to start with, the evangelicals wouldn't be killing them. They'd be killing the evangelicals because the power of the Holy Spirit was so powerful in those days that God changed Wales. Within a few months after it broke out there at Moriah Chapel, Evan and his friends would travel around and the conviction of the Holy Spirit followed them everywhere they went. And, um, and revival just broke out and there were places in Wales where every person in town came to Christ. I, I, I want you to get that in your mind. Of Tampa, of Lakeland, of cities in Florida, every person coming to Christ. That's what happened in Wales. It can happen. It happened in the past. It can happen again. But the enemy plants these doubts Saying, oh no, the the sin is too big. But our God is bigger than the sin. We serve a big God. Uh, There was a town where a reporter went to the police station. This was in Linphy, Linphy, Wales. A reporter went to a police station wondering what the policemen did now that there was so little crime in the city. And they told him, well, we we used to serve two purposes. Dealing with crime and controlling crowds. Now that the revival has come, there's no crime. And so we go where the crowds are, to churches. And we have several good singing voices among our policemen. And we formed three quartets, and sometimes they let us sing in the church meetings. (laughs) And and also in Linfield, they they would have averaging 700 cases per week in the courts of, 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 of criminal activity. But after the revival started, the average was two cases a week. You know, God has a way of changing people's hearts. And that's what, when we pray, that's what we pray for. And then there's a great revival that took place in Hernhut, Germany. It's a long story, but Count Zinzendorf, his only goal in life was to be a pastor. He he loved people, he wanted to be a pastor. But because he was a count, his family, and of course the courts and all the people in his level of society said, No, you can't do that. But some Bohemians and some Moravians came, and they had been running for their lives because of the Reformation. They were kicked out of their countries, and they said, we need a place where we can go and worship God. And Zinzendorf opened his property up to them, and they developed this community. It was called Hernhut. But before long, the Bohemians and the, the uh, um, Moravians started fighting because in their cultures, they had served God in a little bit different ways. And they were just at each other's throat. And Zinzendorf had done everything he could to make it possible for them to, to, to keep their heads on their shoulders. I mean, because people were dying because of things that were going on, the po- politics of the, of, the, of the time. And so he went, he came back from Dresden where he was a lawyer in the courts and he came back, he went door to door and he begged them to forgive each other. He said, listen, God has done so much for all of us. And and there, there, we can work these issues out. And you know, they in fact did. And before long, they forgave each other. And then um, in August, it was in August of uh, 1727, God dropped in on a Sunday morning in their church service and the Holy Spirit came in so powerful and they had a mighty move of God and, and, and uh, there, there's just so much about it but it, it says a people began to weep profusely that their loud cries drowned out the singing. Some began to pray fervently with intense voices and vigor and passion to worship filled their hearts as the power and the glory of the Holy Spirit descended upon the, the, the assembly. The presence of the Lord was so overwhelming, some of them reeled and sank down in the dust before God. As the time went on, the sweetness and joy and tasting of the Lord's presence was so intoxicating that they did not want to leave the church grounds. And you know, I've been to a lot of revival meetings like that where I just didn't want to go home. Because the presence of God is so sweet and so wonderful he touches us and that's what he did in hernot germany and then it was two weeks after this meeting that a few of the people in the church said we need to be praying for our world and 24 of them got together and they said let's pray around the clock and two of them each hour of the day was on their knees praying for lost people and you know That prayer meeting went on for a little bit over 110 years, 24 hours a day. And everything that we know today about modern missions came because these people, it started with 24, these people prayed round the clock. And they sent their own missionaries. They were not a rich community, but they were very productive, skilled craftsmen, And somehow or another, they were able to send their own people all around the world. They were the ones that went to the Indies and were willing to sell themselves into slavery to reach the slaves with the gospel of Jesus because the love of God so impacted their lives. They were the ones that actually led John Wesley to Jesus. On one of his mission trips back to England, they were on the ship and they led him to Jesus. And that's when when uh, Wesley's ministry just exploded and, and took off. And by the end of this, that century, that community in Hernot, Germany, had sent more than 2,000 missionaries to places all over the world. We serve a big God. He says, call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things you know not. And I don't know about you, but... I know that he's here today and he wants to touch your heart. You may be here today and, 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 and you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. And you sense a convicting presence of God in your life because this church believes and prays for lost people to come to him. And if you'll open your heart to him today, he will radically change your life and turn darkness into joy and peace. And turn anxiety into peace. It's amazing what God does for us. You may be here today, and you're plagued with anxiety or depression. Depression is the darkest part of our world today. And what people are doing to absolve themselves from depression is just bizarre, what people do. It's just incredibly bizarre. But Jesus says, Come unto me and I will, will, uh, call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things you know not. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give, not like the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus came for the purpose of giving us peace. And if we will call on him today, he's going to help you with the anxiety that you're going through today. You may be here today and you need guidance in your life. And I'm telling you, there's no greater guide than our God. He helps us with every detail. I had resigned my position in Lakeland. And not knowing what I'm going to do. And I told youth pastors for 20 years before, don't ever resign until you know what you're going to do. Don't, don't do it. And then I didn't even follow my own advice. I resigned and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. God opens a door to Europe uh, a friend said, We need help with international churches. He invited me to come and uh, and so i said well i 'm too old to be a missionary and then david lee says no you 're not too old and we applied, God accepted, did our itineration. and a month before we were going to Europe, my dream of student ministry had 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 been basically dead. you know, but God opened the door up and and, and, and the president of CTS calls and says, we need a campus pastor. And, you know, my dream that I had just given to God, he said, my dream is students, but, you know, and, 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 and I, uh, he calls, and a month before we're going to Europe, he says, you can travel to international churches on weekends, but during the week, we need a campus pastor here at the school to encourage our students. Will you do it? And I'm going, God, you are so incredible. Because he guides us. And as we follow him, he fulfills our dreams and helps us with issues that come up to us. And sometimes we have to give our dream away and let it die. And that's what we did. But then God gave it back in such a powerful way. You may be here today and you need healing in your body. Our God is big. He's able to help us with every. It says, Romans 8.11. says, but... Um, um, But what? if the same spirit, the same spirit this is a second Sunday, I forgot this verse. <laughs> and I reviewed it this week. But it says, but if the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. And what I like to do is stop in the middle of that verse. But if the same spirit who lives in you, I like to stop and say, And he does. (laughs) He lives in us. And it's the Holy Spirit that will help us with our physical bodies as we call on him. He says, call on me and I will answer. And show you great and mighty things you know not. So are you here today? And you need a touch in your heart. You need to accept Christ as your Savior. Are you here today and you're dealing with anxiety or depression? Are you here today you need guidance? Or are you here today you need healing? If, if you need any of those things, would you stand up right where you are right, right now? Just stand up and say, yes, I need, I need God to touch my life and help me with these issues that I'm facing. <sighs> Amen. Amen. Our God is big. Amen. He really is. Amen. He's bigger than anything that you face. He's bigger than anything that together we are facing in our world. He's big. He says, Call on me, and I will answer and show you great and mighty things you know not. Will you stand with me? And let's bow our heads and ask God to touch our bodies, our lives today. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, there may be somebody in this room who has not received you as their Savior. I pray today that you will touch their lives and convict them of their sins and you will completely set them free from the burdens that they're carrying today in the name of Jesus. I wonder if you, would you pray with me today? Would you say this, Lord Jesus, just say it out. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me by coming to this earth and dying on the cross. And today I receive you as my Savior. I accept you into my life. And I'm asking you to help me with my life in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And if you're here today with anxiety or depression, I wonder if you'll pray with me today. Will you say this? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And I'm asking you today to help me in my thinking. Give me the mind of Christ. Help me to think the way Christ did. And set me free from anxiety and depression. And if you need guidance today, I want you to pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your help in my life. Thank you for guiding me. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And today I ask you to guide me and to help me with the very problems I'm facing now. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm wondering today, if you're here today and you need a physical touch in your body, would you just lift your hand up right now and say, yes, I need God. It says, but if the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, and he does live on us. Holy Spirit, today I'm asking you to arise in our hearts and set us free from the afflictions that we are facing. Set us free, Lord Jesus, today. I just read this week of the ten lepers who came to you. And you delivered every one of them. You set them free from an incurable disease. And Lord, today we ask you to touch our bodies. I ask you to help us today. I want you just to open your mouth right now and say, Lord Jesus, touch my body in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, heal heal my sickness in Jesus' name. Oh God, would you descend, would you fill this room with the glory of God and will you Help us with the physical needs that we are facing as your people today. Because it says, call on me. And I will answer and show you great and mighty things you know not. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. It's a joy to be with you today. And uh, thank you so much for your support to our work in Europe. God bless you.